God is good. And all the time. Now listen, y'all. Y'all can't sleep today when I'm preaching, okay? Because we already know I'm loud and I'm going to wake you up. So, like, let's just give a little stretch now. God has a word for you. And I'm only on, like, three cups of coffee so far today. So, <laughs> God is good. Let's pray. Let's pray. I'll try not to be too crazy. Because <laughs> I'm not making any promises. Yes, Lord. <laughs> God, you are good. In our highs, you are good. In our lows, you are still good. You are sovereign. You know the ending from the beginning, the beginning from the ending, and everything in between. You're the one who is, who was, and is to come. God, I pray today supernaturally, Lord, that you would help us lift our eyes to the hills for where our help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord. What can man do to me? Ha! Jesus, you are in control and you are worthy and you are sovereign. You're all powerful, all knowing, everywhere present. God, I thank you that you are still working in the details. God, I thank you that you are still working on everything that we are going through. And God, I thank you that work you began, you will bring into completion into the day of Christ Jesus. God, I pray for those who are discouraged in this place today. God, that you will give them a glimpse of hope, that you still have hope for them. God, those who have been heavy hearted today, God, I pray you will give them cheer, that they would be of good cheer as your word said for us to take heart because you have overcome the world and therefore we too can overcome. God, I pray for those who have dreams and visions that have yet to come to pass. God, that you would show them that you're still moving, that you're still moving. God, I thank you, Lord God, for the miraculous to happen today. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're on a series called Brand New. It's a brand new series. Oh, my gosh. I'm turning more into my dad. Yes. Where is my dad when I need him? He would give me a courtesy laugh. I got a spiritual mama here and she didn't even give me a courtesy laugh. Crystal, you got to do better. Okay. Come on. <laughs> we are in a brand new series about brand new. Now this is the thing I want to talk about with brand new. Cause so often when, when we think of brand new, we think of like, say a new outfit. This is not brand new. This is like a few years old, but you know, it was, it was there. We think of a new car. I've never had a completely brand new car but one man's trash is another man's treasure, right? We think of a new baby. <gasps> Don't you love the smell of a new baby? Like after they get cleaned up, like not a way. I birthed four, so I know. Um, but afterwards, right? We think of maybe a brand new adventure that you, you've never been to. But when I want to talk about brand new, according to the Bible, it is more of a journey than just an event. Being born again is an event, right? That happens. But we, we were saved, we're being saved, and we're going to be saved. And oftentimes what happens in the church, especially in the American church, is we think, oh, I've given my heart to the Lord. I'm, I'm a new create, creation in Christ Jesus, which you are. And so therefore we think we're never going to have trials and tribulations and hardships. I think most of us in America have been waking up since 2020. Can I get a yeah? That's old. We know. We know that ain't true, right? I do believe maybe that's why one-third of the church hasn't returned. Because we have preached easy believism for so long in the American church that when trials hit, they were like, 
had no foundation to stand on. But you, you are here because you are an overcomer. Because your faith in God is more about God than your circumstances. And today we're going to talk about the process of becoming who God has created us to be. It is a process. Amen. And we're going to go into a foundational scripture. I'm going to read a big old passage. And I just actually, I'm doing this in joy and in love. But also um, one of my awesome uh, professors said, oh, and those pastors get up there and read a whole chunk. You could, anyway. I was like, oh, let me read my whole trunk because I totally disagree with what you're saying. That's what's wrong with the American church. We're afraid we're get up and read the actual Bible. <laughs> Come on. The Bible preaches for itself. And we're going to do something fun because we're going to read John chapter 4, which if you're following along in our reading plan that we're doing, we've hit this a few weeks ago. <laughs> now, I want to say I've probably preached this passage more than any passage I've ever preached in the Bible. However, this is a brand new take on it today for you that the Lord gave to me. Amen. Foundational. Here we go. Do we have any good readers in the house? Anyone in here? Oh, I'm so in. Come on, Jill. Come on up. This was totally not planned. This is brand new. Jill, get up here and read this for me. And you got to put some love into it, though, okay? So this is the word of God. So let's read it good. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than Jacob, than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did, also did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you said you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you are now with is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me. A time is coming when you will worship the Father, 
neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and now has come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Amen. And give it up for Jill, man. You, you read that passage in Jesus' name. So many truths there. So many truths there. Today we're going to break down from that passage and other passages of uh, scriptures in the Bible about six markers for the brand new life. Okay? Number one, communication. Oh, communication. Yes, we're going to talk about communication. Do you know this is the longest recorded conversation in the New Testament? The longest recorded conversation. This is the thing, friends. Before conversion happens, communication needs to happen. We're wondering why we're not seeing people come to Christ, but we don't want to have a conversation about Christ. And communication is so important. Communication is the number one reason why we have divorces today. Communication is the number one reason we have church splits today. Communication is the number one reason why there's, there's strife and problems in families and in, in every area of our life. It boils down to communication. This communication that we see here, this conversation, what, what, there's so many things that stand out. Number one, number one, Jesus was not afraid to have a conversation with someone who society would deem unworthy of his time. The Samaritan woman, the scripture says that she came to draw wa wa water at noon, which is the hottest time of the day. And that's not when other women were typically drawing water. She had a reputation about her, you know, four diff or six different uh, fathers with four different baby daddies or whatever. <laughs> it was a joke we used to say, you know. She had a, 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 a reputation about her, and, and she was of a different culture. Samaritans were what was considered mixed um, culture, part Jewish and part um, something else. And so she, you know, there was barriers there. And yet Christ broke that barrier to have a conversation with her. There's a lot of people that need a real conversation, not just an Instagram or Facebook post, but a real conversation to, to see what's really going on in their life. We are living right now in what they're calling post-COVID, which is the highest mental crisis, mental health crisis that our country has ever faced, and not just our country, but the world. And we need conversations. We need difficult conversations. We need to be able to ask tough questions. That's something I love about the Samaritan woman. She was able to ask tough questions. She, matter of fact, she asked, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? <laughs> For Jews don't associate with Samaritans. She's like, whoa, 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 why are you even talking to me? <clears throat> she was able to ask tough questions. The Samaritan's attitude reminds me a lot of people today that are far from Christ, right? They think, oh, the church just wants to judge. They don't want to actually 
be with us. They don't want to actually have a conversation with us. They don't want to see what we're hurting. There's people that are hurting and deceived, and they're justifying their, their sin, but they need a conversation. Not just a one-way conversation, but a conversation, and Jesus didn't shriek back from speaking truth. We, who can we shock today with a conversation? You know, maybe, maybe it's as simple as, as actually seeing the person who is serving you, you know, at the supermarket or when you're going out to eat after church and actually seeing that, that waiter or that waitress. My, my oldest son is a waiter now, and I pray, God, oh, I love him when he works Sundays. I'm like, send every Christian church to his table after, after service to talk to him, to say, hey, how can I pray with you? Friends, we got to be bold. We got to step out again and have a conversation with somebody because people are hurting. People are backslidden. People are, are afraid. And we have the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It starts with conversation. The Lord Jesus is now bringing us into a new season where our focus will be on knowing who it is who asks. Who is it that asks? We need to get into a deeper, intimate relationship with Christ for us to have the conversation because we can't give what we don't have. Come on, somebody. Some of us haven't been having the conversations because we're in a, a time that we are so hurting that we need a conversation to be had with us. Right? And if no one else is reaching out to you and asking, how can I pray? How can I intercede? How can I stand in the gap? Know that God is always sitting there waiting and willing to have a conversation with you. Tuesday was so awesome. We had a prayer time here at church and I came in. I was on a whole narrow level of normal hyper joy. It wasn't I, Andrew. A whole narrow, I like a whole narrow level. I was like, oh my goodness. I said, Andrew, I was perfect today. He looked at me like, Okay like that's a little blasphemous I'm like not like all the time but today I was because nobody was around like the kids were gone the husband was gone it was just me the Holy Spirit and talent and it was my dog it was beautiful I had a long conversation with Jesus about all kinds of things and I felt good to be in his presence and friends this is the thing. We need to have a conversation first with him before we can have it with one another, right? We need, we need to communicate. We need to pray. The church who is weak in prayer is weak everywhere. That's what Leonard Ravenhill says. We've got to begin to pray again. There are people that need to hear the gospel, the good news. And guess what? Those people start here in the church. The church needs to hear the good news so the church can take the good news. We're, we're some gloomy church folks now. You know, and I get it, man. We're going through some things. I'm going through some things. I'm not sitting up here like Tuesday was the only perfect day I had this week, y'all. The rest of them, not even close. Matter of fact, Wednesday, I was sending out text messages to my intercessors like, pray for me, man. I'm a mess. <laughs> the day after my perfect day. <laughs> I mean, I woke up like, oh, whoa. Kids were around, husband was around. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. But but for real, there was just a lot of things going on. A lot of things going on. There's a lot of things. And this is the thing that a lot of people don't realize about people, um, especially pastors. Like, <laughs> when you hurt, I hurt. 
you know, um, when you're going through things, I feel like I'm going through it with you because I love you. And that, that's what pastors, that's what someone who has a shepherd's heart and her husband's the same way. That, that's, that is how it is. And so um, you guys know what you're going through. <laughs> and we're going through it with you. But God is here in the midst of it all. He really is. He's really here in the midst of the all. And he's asking you, can you give me just a little bit of water? Can you reach down? And, and we might be saying, me? <laughs> but you see I'm a mess. And he does and he's okay. He can use your mess and turn it into a message. Come on, somebody. The Samaritan woman at first did not know who she was talking to. But when she realized that it was the Lord who was asking for living water, she wanted to know, sir, <laughs> where can I get this living water? And once that revelation clicks with people, they're going to want to know, where can I get the living water? I have a friend <laughs> who's a, a minister at another church, and she's done called me several times. She started back in September, called me and said, I was driving through Waterville. She said, and I felt spiritual waves coming over Waterville and that God is going to do an amazing work in Waterville. You guys are where you're supposed to be. God is going to move. Do not give up. And he's going to do something. He's going to do it swiftly. This was before, a month before the owner of this land called me up. Matter of, she said some other stuff. I'm not even going to share that. It was just like, whoa. <laughs> matter of fact, a month later, uh, not even a month later, the owner called me up and, and, and said, hey, I know I wasn't interested in selling the land, but now I am, and I want to sell it to you guys. It was, it was just like confirmation after confirmation. And I'm like, okay, God, you're about to do something. And we got to have spiritual eyes because in the natural eyes, we can be like, man, this person's been sick. This person's been struggling. This person's going through it. When I look at it through my natural eyes, I'm like, how, God, can you do it? We're the Samaritan woman over here. We don't got it together. You're about to be the first evangelist. Come on. You're about to do a new work because living waters are going to spring up. But it starts with a conversation. It starts with a conversation. It starts with communication. Who can we have a Jesus conversation with this week? Ooh, I double dog dare you. Yeah, I'm going back to the 80s. Double dog dare you to step out even when you're struggling to have a Jesus conversation with somebody this week. You're thinking of someone, right, Jeremy? Come on. Double dog dare you. I mean, a Jesus conversation. Chris, I see you over there. Double dog dare you. A G Jacob, at that restaurant, you better have multiple Jesus conversations. Come on, somebody. We got to. Students in school. Oh, I go to Christian school. That's where the Jesus conversation needs to happen the most. Come on. All right. So in this brand new journey, it starts with a conversation. And guess what happens? <laughs> our favorite thing, just kidding, not our favorite thing, but it happens. Hardship. Guess what? You want to become brand new? It's a process. That butterfly is an ugly cow. Actually, I think they're kind of cute, but a little furry little caterpillar first, crawling on the ground. Then it goes into this nasty little cocoon. See, the inside of a cocoon is not pretty. It looks like a little, it almost looks like a, no, not going to say. It looks like something hanging from a, like a tree. You know what I mean? It's like, hmm, what is that? But what comes from that, that place afterwards doesn't even look the same. But they go through hardship before transformation. Before transformation, we're going to go through hardship. 
We want to be brand new, but we don't want to be transformed. The Bible says we need to take every thought captive, make it obedient to Christ. That we do not conform to the culture. Come on, young people. We don't conform to the culture, but we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. How do we renew our mind? We need to be in the presence of the Lord. We wonder why we're struggling. We're full of anxiety. When's the last time you even put worship music on? Oh, worship music doesn't even do anything. It doesn't have a good beat. What are you talking about? Like, what worship music are you listening to? Like, what Christian music are you listening to? Like, get your, I, actually, I was in a car with somebody recently, and I'm old, so I sometimes listen to the radio. And um, <clears throat> they said to me, no one under 20 listens to the radio anymore. I'm like, okay, I got you there. But they, they gave a challenge on the radio station that if you listen to this station, it was a Christian station, for 30 days, that you will be different. And, and, and the person was like, okay. I said, but for real, like whether it's that station or you got a Spotify channel or whatever and you actually only listen to Christian music for 30 days, I'm not talking legalism, okay? I will jam every once in a while to T-Swift. Don't judge me, okay? Okay? I don't want that no religious spirit up in here because all of y'all sing happy birthday at least once a year. So don't tell me you don't sing secular songs, okay? So I'm not talking about legalism. <laughs> I'm not talking about legalism. Oh, I got them. <laughs> I'm not talking about legalism, but I'm talking about being renewed, being in the presence of God. And, and sometimes you need to take a 30 days to unplug from what the culture is saying, because some of the stuff is out there, boy. I'm not really good at hearing words. I just got um, checked this week because I was, anyway, I'm not always good at hearing words, and, but my husband be hearing everything. He'll be like, what? I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. I was just listening to the beat. <laughs> like, sounding like a teenager still, right? No, we got to be renewed in our minds. Put that music on. Put that worship music on. See what God does. See how the atmosphere changed. We play worship music all throughout our house. Just setting the atmosphere. We used to do this before there were like Alexis's in every room. We used to have little radios with the CDs. Y'all don't know about that. And every, in the bathroom, remember Terry Rose, she would have it in the bathroom, go in her house in the bathroom. You just, you just stepped into the glory. <laughs> you're like, Lord, <laughs> but there's something, there's something about when you're going through hard times and you invite the presence of the Lord and you worship anyway. Anyone can worship God in a good time. When you worship him in a hard time, there's something. There's something about that. You see, this woman, she was in a hard season of her life. She said, I don't have a husband. And then in that time, you know, there's a lot of different people say, oh, she was immoral. She was this or that. We don't really know. You, she could have lost husbands for, for all kinds of things, from wars, from death. To, you know, we don't exactly know everything. Most likely she was immoral in some kind of way because we all are. But. The, th the fact of the matter is, she said, the man I'm living with right now is not even my husband. And, and Jesus said, you're right. <laughs> when you say you have no, no husband, he said, the fact you have five husbands and the man you are now with is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. This woman has had a difficult life. But sometimes those who've had difficult, what's the Bible say? Those who've been forgiven much love much. We in America sometimes think we can solve all of our problems by being promoted in our workplace, by, by depending on our, our, our finances, on our, our health. And this is the thing. Anything can be taken from you in a moment you don't even know. 
That's why our mind, we have to have, through our the hardships, we have to know that we were not made for this world. That's why we're going through hardship, because this is not your final destination. You are not, you're made for a different world. And so hardships remind us, man, we're passing through. You might have some blessing, you might have some good times, but guess what, buddy? This ain't it. <laughs> and the older you get, the more you realize, thank you, Jesus, this is not it. This woman had a difficult life, and yet God chose her. Just because you're going through a hard time does not mean you're not chosen. Jesus is not afraid of what you're going through. He's not afraid of your past. He's not afraid of religious um, judgment on you. He loves you, and he sees your pain, and there is purpose in it. There's purpose in it. So we have to have that conversation. We have to have also understanding that hardship is part of the change. It's part of um, God doing what he does in us. It's part of the process of becoming brand new. How many of you guys actually got saved after coming out of a hardship? <laughs> look at those hands. Go, hold up. Put it up again. Go ahead. Look around. Right? That's like a lot of us. I went through my little teenage one-year relationship that I thought was like eternity, and that's what, like, when, I, when, that came, when that came crumbling down, that's when I got saved. It felt like, you know, in my little 18, 19-year-old heart, it felt like the end of the world, but God was doing something new. He was doing something new. I know it's silly to talk about it now, but put your mind in a place of a teenager. Like, that, that was like life back then. And whatever you're going through now, whatever your hardship is now, he is going to turn it around for his glory. What the enemy is meant for destruction, God is going to use it for his glory. Amen. I feel like I nailed that one into the ground. Okay, moving on. So the next thing that we need to do, the next marker of a brand new life, this is going to, this is going to be two together. I'm going to put them together. Ready? Already? Say already. Not yet. You're brand new. Already? Not yet. Say, I'm brand new. Already? Not yet. I had to put them together. I can't separate these ones. See, the scripture says here, woman, Jesus replied, believe me, the time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor Jerusalem. It's not yet. It's coming. You Samaritans worship what you do not know, and we worship what we know for salvations from the Jews. Jesus was Jewish, and yet a time is coming. We're true worshipers. We worship the, the Father in spirit and in truth. They are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. The woman said, she goes on here and, and she says, I know that the Messiah called the Christ, when he, is com when he comes, he will explain everything. And what's Jesus saying? I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Some of the disciples still weren't getting it. And he revealed himself as the Christ and the Messiah to the woman, the sinful woman at the well. Already, but not yet. There's a, a doctrine that's actually called already, not yet. And I feel like more people need to understand this because this is where people get confused. They're like, but, but I don't understand. We're a Christian and we're supposed to, you know, we're supposed to not really go through these things. And, and, and we're born again and, and. Jesus said the kingdom is here and at hand, and we should have all the miracles and all the prophecies already. We've received it, but not yet has it been fully revealed. See, in the not yet, this, this theological concept, it holds that believers are actively taking part in the kingdom of God, although the kingdom will not reach its full expression until sometime in the future. We are already in the kingdom 
but we do not yet see its glory. Come on, doesn't that make sense? When I learned this uh, several years ago, I was like, it, it answered so many of my questions. Already, not yet. John also says in, a, in a, one of his epistles here, 1 John 3, 2, it says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has what? Not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Again, we have a now, we are children of God, right? And we have a not yet. Our future state. We are children of the king, but we must wait and ex- to see what it all entails. And we must, we must wait with expectancy. The church has forgot that soon he is coming back. We don't preach it anymore. I got saved in the late, late 90s. It was preached every single week. Jesus, uh, people get ready. Jesus is coming. Soon you'll be going home. Like we were ready. <laughs> And we have, grown, we have grown weary of waiting. And we need a renewal that he is still coming back for his people. Already, not yet. We are already saved. We are not yet fully seeing all the salvation that he has for us. I am saved, I'm being saved, and I will be saved. Come on, somebody. This is actual doctrine that we need to learn. We don't know what we believe in the church, and we wonder why we can't have a conversation. Friends, we got to get this because people are asking hard questions, and we need to be able to have the answers for them. Already, not yet. It encourages me. I've already tasted and seen that he is real, that he is good, but I have not yet experienced all that he has. I've already had revelation, but I have not yet stood before him face to face. I've already known a few things, but I have not yet known everything, even about myself. Come on. I used to think I was simple. You remember, babe? I'm like, what you see is what you get. That's the kind of woman I am. No, nah, man. I've got old. I'm like, whew, I'm complicated. <laughs> Guess what? We can all think that we're simple, but you were made in the, in the image of God. There is complexity in the human being's heart, mind, soul, and spirit. We've already been renewed, but we're not yet there. There's more. You're not done growing. <laughs> Come on, somebody. You have not yet arrived. Hello, somebody. There's still more for you to learn. Come on. Already, but not yet. That's how brand new happens. And it leads me right to the next point. Well, what, what, what next? Already not yet? How can I get the not yet part? Well, we need to develop a growth mindset. You know, I had to add just a little bit of psychology. I am studying it. <laughs> a growth mindset. This is biblical too. Growth mindset, it describes a way of viewing challenges and setbacks. How many of you have had some challenges and setbacks in the last few years? Come on, somebody. Everybody's hands better be risen. Come on. <laughs> Wake up, church. All of us have had setbacks and challenges, but there's a growth mindset that can come from that. <clears throat> growth mindset describes the way of viewing challenges and setbacks. People who have a growth mindset believe even if they are struggling with certain skills, their abilities are not set in stone. They think with work, their skills can improve over time. 
Practice makes progress. And I don't tell my kids practice make, it makes perfect because, no. <laughs> it, exactly. But it makes progress. A growth mindset says, you know what? My, my one son got a little discouraged. He didn't play as, as well at his game this week. And he was real discouraged about it. And, you know, he, he tapped into that victim mindset. I got that sometimes, too. You know, the refs, you know, they were biased towards me. He used the word bias. I'm like, oh, look at that vocabulary word. You know, he's like, you know, they didn't call a foul shot when they should have. And, you know, and he's in tears. He's so passionate. Look at this scratch on my, my arm and this and that. I said, you know what you need to do? I said, you need to take all of that discouragement and you need to eat it. He said, what? I said, you need to eat it. I said, and let it nourish you so you can do better next time. And he was like, and then I said, I'm a good motivational speaker, huh? He's like, okay, mom. <laughs> but that's why I told him, eat it. <laughs> I said, eat it, let it nourish you, let it inspire you to do better. You failed a test? Okay. You're going to study harder next time. You don't believe? You have someone who doesn't believe in you? Maybe you grew up with parents that said you'll never amount to nothing? Take their criticism and let it fuel you. <laughs> you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. So here's just a few characteristics of a growth mindset, and we see these all in the Samaritan woman. A passion for learning. How do we see that in the Samaritan woman? Because she was asking questions. When you ask questions and you actually actively listen, which is another characteristic, if you want to have a gross mindset, you have to listen. She was actively listening to Jesus when she asked a question. She, didn't, she wasn't like the Pharisees who asked questions to trap him. Come on, somebody. That's what the religious spirit will do. They'll ask a question because in their mind they want to entrap you. They ask a question because they want to put you in bondage. That's what the religious, legalistic spirit does. But see, those who have a gross mindset, they ask questions so they can actively listen. <laughs> Come on, somebody. And she accepted challenges. It was, she, he said some difficult things. She didn't get off in it like, dang, Jesus is going to just call me out like that. Talk about all my different baby daddies. Dang. <laughs> she was like, well, psh, obviously, you're a prophet. <laughs> The church calls us out on our sin, and we leave and don't come back. Come on. Oh, we are so mad when someone calls us out. Listen, I, don't live with Josh Hester because he will call you out. Can I get an amen from the back row? Won't Josh Hester call you? Don't leave me hanging. These are my quiet kids. Thank you. He will call you out. He will call you out. But, man, I, sometimes I don't like it, but I'm grateful for it in the long haul. Because it keeps us accountable. He keeps us accountable. And that's, that's what we need. we need. We need people to call us out. Listen, what's the Bible say about a true friend? Ooh, some of y'all need to learn. I don't got no friends. Because when you get someone that actually wants to be your friend, you don't want to hear them. Because the Bible says the enemy multiplies kisses. Mm -mm 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 -mm. You're so great. You're so wonderful. You're so everything. Anytime someone comes to the church and usually says that, I'm like, oh, dang, I'll be here long. <laughs> Because you're going to find out real soon that ain't true. <laughs> but a friend, a, a wounds from a friend can be trusted. Oh, my best friend, she will call me out. She will let me know. Pastor Renee, when I'm talking to her and venting about some stuff, she will let me know. And, and, and I know it's coming from a place of love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. If you only got people in your life telling you everything you want to hear, you need to, to actually listen to the people that are telling you the truth. Amen. That's part of a growth mindset, accepting challenges. Another part is being action-oriented. Man, this woman heard. 
that, that he was the Messiah, and then she went on and told the whole town. She put action behind her revelation, and she took a, a risk. She took a, a risk as a woman with a reputation like that going out and sharing it with everybody. Come on. Come on. She took a risk. John 4, 30, 28 through 30 says, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Listen, friends, I believe in the come and see. We forgot to, we, we don't do that anymore. We don't really invite people to church like we, like we used to because we're like, oh, you know, the church is supposed to be the church and you're supposed to go out there and you're supposed to tell people and make disciples. Yes, you are, but you're also supposed to invite people to come to church <laughs> so they can plug into a, a family so they can grow and mature. Come and see. I mean, come and see. I found a place that you could be free. Come and see. I mean, if you don't know what else to say, come on, come and see. Amen. Let the conversation start there. Come and see. She left her, her water jar. <laughs> she left her water jar, which represents her old life. Come on. Because it showed how she had to work to quench her thirst. She left that water jar because she received that living water. That living water. What are we leaving behind? Because we are now receiving what we need in him. <laughs> we got to leave it behind. There's attitudes we need to leave behind. Sometimes there's old friendships. We got to tell them as much as we can, come and see. And if they don't want to come and see, we might have to leave it behind. Right? My friend said, ooh, girl, you done gone overboard with Jesus. I've been swimming in the deep end for 25 years. Feels good in here. Jump on in. <laughs> you got to do it. You got to leave the old life and have a new one here in Christ Jesus. That's part of being brand new, the growth, growing, going. Part of growing is going. Amen. I was talking to um, my counselor this week, and she said, you know, the Bible says, fear not, 365 times. You, you know that, Pastor Joy. I said, yeah, I know that. She said, but did you know that right after it says fear not, within a few verses, many of them say go. I said, I did not know that. But I'm sitting here like, you know, do, 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 do. you know, I'm a little bit of a nerd. So I'm like thinking back, I'm like, oh, yeah, that one does. Oh, you're right. You know, and we're having this conversation. And I said, you know, that makes sense because my husband, who, when he got saved, one of, the, one of the biggest things that he got set free from was fear. And he said, the only way you can really get set free from fear is not just praying, but stepping out and going. I said, fear not. It's time to go. Right now, we've got a lot of decisions to make as a church. And fear is right there. How can we do this? Because it's not just how can we do it. It's how can God do it? That puts a whole new perspective. And then we need to go do our part. Come on, somebody. Growing means going. Do you have a growth mindset? Maybe we need to work on that a little bit. Amen. Last thing here. If you want to be brand new, okay, guess what it requires? You can put that slide on. Everything. You thought it was going to be easy? You thought E was going to be easy? No, everything. What does it require? Everything. Jesus will give us everything that we need for life and godliness, but he asks for everything in return. He does. Pick up your cross and follow me. He doesn't make it easy to follow him. He doesn't.
doesn't want easy believers, easy believism. He wants those who are willing to give everything. So we read on here. Here comes the disciples. Gotta love them. We didn't read this part with Jill. In verse 31, it says, Meanwhile, the disciples, you know, they came back and they urged the rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. They're like, oh. They said to each other, could, could someone have bought him food? And he says, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four more months until the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage of harvest, a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. Amen? Come on, somebody. You're going to need a revelation of that. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Who is he? Come on. This is so powerful. He's saying, I'm satisfied. My satisfaction comes from being in the Lord's will, doing the Lord's work. That there where it says that the harvest was, was, was right some, some say it was white. It, they believe that a lot of times the Samaritans will, will have worn, like, white robes. And then right when he said that, some, some people believe that, that they were starting to come. The townspeople that she was speaking to were starting to come. And the disciples look out and see these people coming. How amazing. I've sent someone else to do the work, and you're going to reap the harvest for it. Friends, we are in harvest time at Vision, and it's time to eat. God has brought leaders into our body, and he's raised up leaders within our body because he's getting ready to do something now. Church history actually shows that this woman, um, that her name was, different people pronounce in different ways, but we'll say Fatoni or Fall Tony. What is called Tony? That was her name. Okay, but church history loves the Samaritan woman. There's the Eastern Church really, really celebrates her, calls her the, the, the mother of evangelism. Some, some, some people in, believe that she was as equal as the apostles. And church history actually shows that she went all the way to Nero to share the gospel. And she was actually martyred. You can look this up. She was actually martyred. That's why if you do watch the um, um, Chosen, it actually says her name. Because church history does, does have some documentation about who she was. How cool is that? She gave everything eventually even her life. And she went far, far. She went all the way to Rome, sharing the gospel, being unhindered, unafraid, because she met a man who told her everything, changed her life. Change requires, friends, brand new requires this. It, it requires, it, we could sum it up in one word, and that one word that we could sum it up in is change. Usually I tell you guys what my little acronym is first, and I haven't done one in a long time, so I felt good about this. <laughs> but this is how we become brand new. We change. We can't stay the same. We got to change. We got to allow God to change us. And we change by having conversations that lead to conversions. We change by, by understanding that hardships lead to repentance. That we're already receiving the kingdom, but yet not yet receiving fully all the promises of the kingdom. We change by developing a growth mindset that leads to maturing in the Lord. And we change by everything. Everything changes because everything is surrendered. You cannot be made new by staying the same. We've got to change. Would you guys stand to your feet with me and pray?
Jesus, you are worthy. This is good news, though, isn't it? <laughs> this is good news. Sometimes it's just a, a small step of change. That's where we need to be at, a small step. Jesus. I feel like there's some of you in here in this place right now that God has, even as I've been speaking, God was moving on your heart to have a conversation with somebody. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? If you've been thinking of someone you need to have a conversation with, yeah, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Yeah, praise the Lord. There are some of you who want to have a conversation, but you've been stuck in this place of hardship and you need a breakthrough. Doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. We know that. But you need a breakthrough and know that God is with you in that place. If you've been in a place of hardship and you've just been in some pain, you've been going through some stuff, would you just go ahead and raise your hand before the Lord? God sees you. He knows. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mm, there's some of you in this place that you were really encouraged when you heard the doctrine of already, not yet. And that's given you a little bit of hope. That's made you say, you know what? The good work he began, he's going to bring to completion. And there's some of you in this place that know, man, I need to step up and have develop a better growth mindset. Come on, if that's you in here, raise your hand. If you know you need to grow, you need to grow, and that sometimes means you need to go. And all of us, we need to surrender everything. If you want prayer today, I'm going to ask you, would you come on up here? If this message talked to you, spoke to you, and you just want a little bit more prayer, come on up here. If you raised your hand, let me pray for you today. Let some of our saints pray for you. We need one another. We can't do this all by ourselves. Come on up. Come on up. Come on. Let's not be afraid. Let's not be ashamed. Jesus, you are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. If you need prayer for anything, we want to pray for you today. Pastor Jill, you can come help pray. Brother John, Andrew, if you want to come stand stand behind some of these ladies up here we want to help pray jeremy we're gonna we're gonna pray right now i'm gonna i'm gonna speak a blessing over all of you it's not gonna be as cool as pastor josh's blessings but it's gonna be from my heart <laughs> and then we're gonna just we're gonna pray for people and if you want prayer we want to pray for you too heavenly father i just thank you i speak a blessing and i thank you over your sons and daughters in this house today god i thank you that you are for them and not against them I thank you that you see them, you see their highs, you see their lows, and you love them the same. God, I thank you perfection is not required. God, that you are just helping us grow. The hardships in our life, they're helping mature us. Your word says, count it all joy when you go through trials of many kinds. God, I pray that you would help develop your people, that you would help grow your people. God, I speak blessing and life freedom over your your saints your sons and daughters in this house today in jesus name amen